0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success.
1: And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, July 20th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And I thank you for tuning in. During this hour, hopefully, you'll learn a thing or two. That's our goal each and every weekday. And the market was pretty interesting Interesting today. We had small caps down about half a percent. NASDAQ was up a big resurgence in the growth stocks today. Is that a last hurrah or is a start of another move? That will be something uh, to watch. And we're heading into the back half of July, which also means that... Congress is back in session and they're going to work on, going to be working on uh, the next stimulus bill and it looks like the unemployment benefits are going to be extended. Maybe not 600 additional dollars per month, but somewhere in the neighborhood of three to 500, probably land around the 400 mark. So will that be enough to sustain the economy, sustain consumer spending? Studies are saying that those people that were getting unemployment benefits were actually spending more than pre-COVID. That's pretty crazy as well, but we're fast approaching the end of a lot of the stimulus, a lot of forbearance, a lot of the short-term mechanisms to kind of keep the economy going. And now it's that next step. Uh, And that's something to watch over the next couple of weeks. Also, Gold. Gold did very well today, mainly silver actually, precious metals in general. So, But silver was up pretty big, and you're seeing another resurgence there uh, in that market with the debt. Once again, when debt rises, which we know it is dramatically, that's when gold typically goes up, and you're seeing just a continuation of the recent bull market over the past few months. Now, this COVID crisis is disrupting every industry to some degree, uh, worrying about returning to school, that controversy. And frankly, it's difficult, right? It's difficult. We kids, kids would like to go to school. Parents would like the kids to go to school. But there's also risks involved. Are those risks worth it? How much will that impact economically, right, those parents that can't stay home and just watch the kids all day. So we're really in a very politically charged time. We have right around a little over a 100 days left until the election. It's pretty crazy. It's going to be coming up quick. So a lot to talk about. A lot to uncover and ideas to bat around and come to conclusions. And our goal here, just as always, is to help provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. We want to st- we want to help you develop strategies to deal with the, the volatility. There's always going to be volatility, and volatility can mean on the upside, not just about the downside. So I'm here and ready to take your calls at 99 chart. Here at Invest Talk and at my company KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. For our clients, we practice parallel investing. We invest right alongside our clients. And for you, our listeners, we are dedicated to unbiased guidance as well as our clients. So now that I've set things up, I'm ready to take your calls at 8899 chart Now, before I move on, I want to remind you, if you do have a portfolio you would like us to review? You can always send us a message through InvestTalk.com. We're setting up Skype, uh, Jive meeting, video chats, phone calls all day long. So we're, we're we're talking to a lot of people that you know in this market they're 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 struggling, which is understandable. So if you want to reach out to me or Steve, like I said, go over to InvestTalk.com. Now my focus point today concerns a question some of you may be asking yourself: Should you pay off your mortgage? Carrying that 3% mortgage roughly, right? Probably around that. Does it make sense to accelerate your payments? So what recent changes to tax laws have made that more or less palatable? I'm going to go over what, how you should think about that. Also, earnings season. We are in the midst of earnings season. Which earnings are going to be the most impactful? IBM had earnings today, actually pretty good. Tesla has earnings on Wednesday. Financials had earnings last week, and that is also something that will be able to tell us, or has been able to tell us, what's going on with consumer and businesses, because banks have an inside look. They have customers in every industry of various sizes, And they know which ones are doing well based on their bank accounts. Or how well they're able to pay certain loans. And so we're going to dig into that as well. What have they been saying? And what does that tell us about the overall economy? And then lastly, is the dollar index set to decline dramatically? We're going to touch on that as well. So... That's what's on my mind. That's what I want to talk about today. But ultimately, it's about you and what is on your mind. Eight eight nine nine chart. Eight eight nine nine four two four. Sorry. Eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. There we go. And let's look at the market today. The S and P was up about twenty seven points, a little less than one percent. So modest up day. And you know we're still kind of powering right near the the highs of the last few months. And I believe we might have closed there. Did we close there? Do we close above? Yeah, we did. We closed above the highest level in June. And it looks like we may be ready to tackle new highs, but earnings season is going to be very important. And once again, the stimulus out of Washington is to see what sectors are going to benefit from the next stimulus package. So, once again, modest update, growth did much, much better than value today, which after about six days from the previous Monday, or sorry, previous Friday, not last Friday, the Friday before, that's when it started, where growth started underperform. It's the first day since that previous Thursday that growth did better. Is that start of the next move of growth stocks continuing to power higher, or is it more of a one-day thing? I think uh, tomorrow's activity will be very interesting. Now, as you probably noticed, Steve and I do our best to fit in as many caller questions in as possible, so let's do that right now. This came in earlier at eight 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 ninety nine chart
2: Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Dave from L.A. I was wondering if I could get your opinion and some fundamental analysis of Ambev, A-B-E-V. Looks like a pretty good balance sheet and undervalued for the moment. This would be uh, a long-term hold for uh, capital appreciation and not a bad yield. Thanks a lot. Bye.
1: All right, looking at Ambev. This is a company that is trading on its heels here with down at $2.66 a share. Earnings were down 75% last quarter, revenue down 25%. This is a Brazilian based manufacturer of beer, soft drinks, and other beverages. This, the problem here is Brazil. Brazil is being ravished by COVID. And uh, the president just got it, and he's kind of poo-pooed the the whole problem. Um, So, you know, that's going to make this struggle for a little while, but from a long-term perspective, it's pretty cheap, and they have a decent balance sheet. So, you're gonna need to have patience with this one. A lot of patience. But if you have patience, long-term, five, 10 years now, I think you'll do well because uh, they do have a good business, but Short-term, it'll probably be volatile. You listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. The summer is well underway. We're almost into August, just a couple weeks away, and no doubt you need to be prepared for market swings. You know they're coming, so we should talk about that. Whatever you want in regards to your portfolio, your participation is as important as ever. We're taking your calls now at 99 chart.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. Justin Klein is here. And if you've been watching the news and market volatility, you're going to have finance and investment questions. The phone lines are open, and Justin is taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hi, my name is Justin from Reno, Nevada. I've been looking at a stock for a few weeks, and I didn't know what this means. It went way up, but it also went crazy up in volume. Um, it was used to about $6 million a day in volume, and it was $120 plus million for the day. Does that mean it's just going to go back down, or does that mean so many people are interested that I should still buy it, even though it has doubled
0: in price in the last few days? Looking forward to hearing the answer. Thank you.
1: Well, you're looking at one factor. Volume is often very important when a stock breaks out. Volume above average can mean very good things. It could also mean a peak in optimism if it's gone on a long run and then suddenly it just goes up. You know, has a big nice day and volume is massive. That can mean okay, I'll maybe the shorts are out uh, or everybody who wants to buy it is in. Right? They capitulate into the stock, and oftentimes that can mean a, at least a short or medium term high in the stock. So it, without context to see what you're talking about, what company, why it had a surge in, in uh, volume, maybe it was a buyout, I don't know. So volume is important, and it can tell you whether a breakout or breakdown is real, but it also can mean that a bottom is in or a top is in depending on the chart pattern, the, the type of stock, et cetera. So I like that you're looking at the volume, but it needs to be in context. Maybe you want to call up uh, live, and we can talk about it, actually the actual position. And I can look at the chart and give you a better sense of what that high volume means. But you are looking at something that can be very important. My focus point today concerns a question some of you may be asking yourself. A lot of people ask themselves this, and it's should you pay off your mortgage and how you should think about that. Now, for a decade plus with interest rates near zero, just a a year or two ago, we you could get a CD approaching 3% yield. Now, you can borrow a mortgage at 3%. So, rates are very, very low, and people look at that and they say, well, I could pay down my mortgage, or there's opportunity costs to invest it elsewhere. That's the number one argument for not paying down a mortgage. Well, if you're young, that might be true. If you have skill in the market, you know how to invest that money with any level of certainty, nothing's completely certain, but a level of certainty, it can make sense. But if you're older, maybe you're approaching retirement, in retirement, having that monthly mortgage payment is often your highest bill. And if you don't have to worry about covering that mortgage payment, that's fixed, no matter what, no matter what happens to your job, no matter what happens to your investments, you have to pay that mortgage. Maybe you're on a fixed income, you're collecting Social Security, a pension. But what happens if the economy has a rough time? You get laid off. Well, you are less able to handle that financial shock if you have that mortgage. You can't just cut it. You've seen that recently with forbearance and all the you know, delinquencies rising. Now, one argument as well is that what is the other argument? There was another one that I had right here <laughs> in front of me. I'm going to get to it after this break. I had it right in front of me. I'm going to find it and we'll get to it after the break. You're listening to Invest Talk? I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 99 chart.
2: This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART.
1: I found it. I found the next argument for why you want to pay off or pay down your mortgage, maybe not pay off it, but pay down your mortgage. Now a lot of people will argue that you want that flexibility. You want that cash that would, that you, in case of emergency. Well, that's great, but there's always home equity line of credits. Uh, You can find liquidity other ways. And many people will say, well then you're putting more money into your home, and that that is not something you want to do. You don't want to sink more money into the home. But in reality, Buying a home is separate. The decision to buy the home is separate than the decision to pay off the mortgage. They're very different things. So buying a home and keeping your home, that's an operating decision. That's why I speak on the fact that your your primary residence is utility to you. A lot of people look at it as this investment. And in some ways it is, but that's not primary, it's secondary to the real decision of the operating decision of your life of buying and maintaining and owning that home. Paying off the mortgage is now a financial decision. It's more about cash flow, freeing up that cash flow in your monthly budget. So you're simply getting rid of the debt and boosting the cash flow. And a lot of people say, well, the the mortgage you can write off. Well, with the change in taxes, uh, at least the mortgage interest, excuse me, with the change in taxes, most married couples will take $24,800 standard deduction anyway. So you have to have a very large mortgage, especially at 3% for your interest payments to start to write off. And then it's just the amount above that 24800 right? So if you have, say, a $700,000 mortgage at 3%, you're paying roughly 21000 per year. It's not enough. So you have to have a very, very large mortgage and there's some limits to that. So that, mo- that, that deduction calculation doesn't apply for the vast majority of people anymore. Now let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question that came in from a listener in San Diego.
2: Hey, Steve or Justin. This is Dave. I'm in San Diego. I want to say thanks for the show and all the info you guys provide. It's great. And I, I have a question. I'm calling about Vivo. V-I-V-O, as in Meridian Bioscience. I picked this up earlier this year, right under 10 bucks, and uh, it's done very well since then. And I'm wondering if I should just hold on to it a little bit more, since uh, it still looks like the trend is uh, going up. So... Uh, I'm just curious your thoughts. I don't have a need for the money right away, so I'm just looking just for a little advice. I know you would probably say to sell half and then keep the other half, but uh, just curious about this specific stock. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. All
1: right, looking at Meridian Bioscience, Inc. This is an Ohio-based company. developed diagnostic test kits for respiratory, gastrointestinal, viral, and parasitic infectious diseases. Yields 2.1%. This is an interesting small cap profitable biotech company. Now it's in the diagnostic testing kit part. Obviously they test for viral viruses. So certainly there is a coronavirus testing kit, uh, aspect to this. I don't know the deep dive of how much this is impacting their business, but earnings are expected to go up 13% this year and 32% next year. Modest amount of debt, revenues last quarter up 14%, earnings up 21%. And it's still not that, it's, it's a little expensive, 25 times uh, enterprise value to EBITDA. I like that they don't have any debt and their cash flow positive. Operating earnings yield is about 3%. So I think it's a little overheated here, but if you have a longer term perspective, uh, they, they do have a pretty decent history of performance. And I do, th- I do think this space, once it gets less overheated, once the kind of the shine from coronavirus and COVID wears off in the, the biotech space, this is an area that we are looking to add longer in her positions because I do think this is the start of a multi-decade revolution in biotechnology and development. I think this is where the next phase of drastic human innovation is going to come from. And I think it's going to be very similar to the space race in the 60s. That started the electronic revolution, the, uh, the technological revolution. There were a lot of technologies that came out of government studies and government R&D that benefit today including mobile phones. So with this COVID pandemic, I think the next phase is a lot of money and investment in that space. And we are looking at picks and shovels. And this is the type of picks and shovels type of business that we would look at, right? Companies that can test and do a lot of testing in the lab. And that's part of uh, what they do, and so I like it long term. It is a little overheated in the near term, like I said, but uh, I would probably hold it. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you know that I think every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance, and you can do that for free over at InvestTalk.com. It'll help you define your investment comfort zone. It's our free riskalyze risk questionnaire. Head over there. But now I'm taking your questions live at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. The chance to learn better ways of doing things. The prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, Expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with Klein investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
1: All right, let's head over to Herbert in San Antonio looking at EHC. This is... Encompass Health Corporation.
2: Yes. Oh, hello, Justin. Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, big yeah, fan yeah. of your show. Uh, so basically, I have a big percentage of my portfolio invested in this company. Uh, I really love it. I've been following them for a long time. Mm-hmm. My question is, is, is it a good long-term buy for this company? I know it's in the medical field, but uh, they look pretty solid to me. What are your thoughts on this company?
1: Well, this would be... Considered a mid-cap, a six billion dollar market cap, decent amount of debt, not too much, but not a small amount either. Four times interest earned, so you know it's doing okay. Negative free cash flow last quarter, but certainly they're struggling with the uh, the shutdown, so understandable. Long term, their profitability is pretty good, which uh, you know I like that. It's return on equity as average, somewhere in the neighborhood of. 25 30 percent for an extended period of time I like that now they've utilized some leverage on that but it's still a consistent business and consistent grower as well it yields what 1.8 percent and has been upping that throughout the year so I like that it's a dividend grower it's not just paying a dividend it's actually growing that dividend over time uh, so I I like I like this you know I think it, it it's gonna do fairly well uh, how much of your portfolio is it though about 15%. I do have a lot. I know you You always preach 10% of the portfolio, but it's about
2: 15%. That was one of my first buys that I ever did purchase in my portfolio. Yeah.
1: I, I Like I said, I, I like it. Uh, I definitely wouldn't add to it. I'd be saving and trying to diversify a little bit more, but uh, I'm a fan. If this is a, kind of a core holding, uh, I think you could do much worse. Now, the biggest risk here is... A new administration, if we do something, a Medicare for all, a changing of the medical system that could potentially impact their business long term. Uh, that is the biggest risk you have here because otherwise, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll deal with the the gyrations of COVID and the shutdowns. Uh, but a general change of the healthcare system could impact them positively or negatively. And that's the biggest risk you have there. And that's definitely why I wouldn't add more than what you already have. Let's go to Dan. Let's, oh, we're going to go to James. We're going to go James in New York looking at Kroger.
2: Yes, I'm looking at Kroger. I was hoping to maybe put a little bit more, add to my uh, holdings in food and in grocery-related companies. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at that to buy it. Um, also, what I wanted to know is, I know your rule of thumb a lot of times is 3 to 5% in any one position. Does it yeah. ever make sense to do below that, say 1% or 2% of the portfolio in one particular company?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially if you're trying to kind of gain broad exposure to a particular area of the marketplace. That's what we're doing right now with grocers. So Kroger is actually our largest grocer position. Uh, but we do have uh close to a half dozen now uh, across the industry. Some are a smaller percentage than, than, than Kroger. And especially in today's world where there's no trading commissions. Before, it was like, well, if you're going to buy 1% of the portfolio, how big is the portfolio? What commission are you going to pay? What does that eat in, right? But nowadays it could be any amount and you're not, you don't have commission eating into that. So it's, it's fine having a smaller position if you want to spread it out, maybe kind of create your own ETF around a particular industry of companies that you like. That's one way that you can, you can do that. Uh, but yeah, it would definitely make sense to have smaller positions if, uh, you're, you're trying to diversify across a particular industry, but we like Kroger, we we own it and have owned it for clients for a little while. Do you have a price point that you might recommend picking it up at? I I think it looks fine now. You know, it's not overbought. It's not oversold. Uh, You know, it's just kind of following the uptrend line of that 100-day moving average. until it breaks that, I see nothing wrong with Kroger. Uh, It it looks like it's uh, just going to power higher, be consistent. It's it's not the grower. There's some smaller ones that we like kind of as growers. Uh, But if you're looking for safe, Consistency, uh, nice solid dividend yields. Three point. What's the dividend yield now? Two point one percent. I think they're going to grow that over time. Uh, I like Kroger, so uh, I would, I would just buy it now.
0: Thank Thanks you much the
1: call, James. 99 chart. Eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. We have about twenty minutes left in the show, so if you're going to call, I urge you to do it now. Let's talk about. Earnings. We are in the midst of earnings season and we had a smattering of earnings last week and it's going to start to heat up over the next three weeks. And especially next week, is where a lot of the uh, the big earnings are. IBM came out today, Zion Bank Corp. Some some decent uh, size earnings that were out uh out after the bell. Tomorrow morning we have Coke, we have Lockheed Martin, we have Philip Morris, Prologis. Synchrony Financial, CIT Group. There's just a lot of Novartis comes out, Signature Bank, UBS. I mean, there's a lot of earnings tomorrow and, like I said, going into uh, next week. But which ones should you pay most attention to? And the reason you should pay attention to them is because you really, we really need to see the health of corporate America. And they're going to have a strong – they're going to have strong data on what to expect for the economy going forward, because they're, they're seeing that and they're projecting that going forward. You're looking at past earnings. Remember, earnings are about what happened last quarter, but you're going to see their commentary of what their backlogs look like, what the trends of their business look like, not just in that quarter, but starting here in the third quarter as well, and what they're expecting for earnings in the third quarter. So which one should we watch? Well, Whirlpool comes out with earnings on Wednesday, and certainly this is about big ticket items. People are buying homes, the housing market's still relatively strong, but it's more it's it's relatively strong more to do with lack of inventory than it's a surge in in demand. Now, demand has picked up, but actual sales have not. And so when you buy a home, typically that's when you're buying, to, you know, having these big purchases. And so, what is, is Whirlpool seeing a lot of washer and dryers, refrigerator sales, et cetera? Now, North American sales typically are about three billion per quarter over the past couple of years. They slid to two and a half billion in the first quarter and are expected to fall to two point three billion in the second quarter. Analysts don't think they're going to get to three billion until the third quarter of next year. But once again, what does Whirlpool think? What are they thinking? Is it is that accurate? Is it gonna be farther out? Is it gonna be a little sooner? They'll Their commentary will be very interesting. Also discount stores. Walmart, What is, they're the largest retailer, but then you have other ones like Dollar General, some of the dollar stores, and how are they competing with Amazon? What is inflation looking like on their particular products? Are their margins being squeezed? Or are they able to expand and maintain their margins? That will be very important iPhone sales. Apple comes out with earnings on July 30th, and iPhones are a big proxy for discretionary spending. Are people buying iPhones? How much? Now, they're projected to sales for the second quarter to be only about $22 billion worth of iPhone sales. I know said only, but that's down from $29 billion from the first quarter. Now, is that because people just don't want to spend or waiting for that next upgrade cycle, which we know is typically in the fall? Freddie Mac, they're also coming out with earnings. And what does the forbearance schedule look like? Are homeowners struggling to pay their mortgage? What are delinquency rates looking like? That'll give a nice peek into the balance sheet and cash flows of the individual consumer. And then lastly, ExxonMobil. It's not about the oil. Everyone thinks Exxon is an oil company, and it certainly is, but there's a lot of downstream operations, meaning refining products and selling products. These are a big part of their business. In fact, in the second quarter, expected to be roughly about $25 billion of downstream revenue. The first quarter was $45 billion. So it's certainly going to drop, but are they going to beat that? What are they going to project for the balance of the year? So those are all going to be important things to watch all of those companies and industries. Let's go to Justin in Orlando. He wants to talk about 403Bs. Hey, Justin. Uh,
2: First of all, thanks for the show. Huge fan. Just started listening at the turn of the year. Uh, I recently moved to Orlando from Virginia, one job to another. I rolled my four hundred three b into a managed IRA, um, and I mean they've done a pretty good job. It was toward the end of February, around twenty three thousand. It's now thirty. Nothing to write home about, but uh, still an increase. So I wanted to ask you: um, Is it worth taking two or three thousand of that out so that I can start to dip my own toe uh, into investing, kind of get a feel for
1: that? Well, if you if you, you can, you can have two IRAs. So you just open a separate IRA. It wouldn't be a distribution. You just say, I want to move some of that over and, and trade for okay. yourself. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, uh, especially a small amount. If you're inexperienced, it is kind of good to, to use a small dollar amount to, like you said, get your feet wet, really understand your strengths and weaknesses as an investor, as a trader. And, Only messing with a small amount. And in today's world, with no commissions, you don't really have to worry about, oh, I'm only trading $100 and I'm paying a big commission. Doesn't matter anymore. So I like that idea. I like actually putting money to work uh, and learning yourself. So uh, I would, I would do that. Thanks for the call. I guess into Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein and Even though we're still in the midst of a pandemic, the economy is struggling, you can't allow your retirement objectives to be controlled by the surrounding environment. You have to adapt to it. You have to take steps now to optimize your strategy, your portfolio. And so I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We want to help you. We can help you. Just head over to InvestTalk.com and click on the contact us button. And now I'm here. I'm ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. We're taking your calls live at eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. We have good news. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You still get unbiased answers but the show moves along at a faster pace. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search InvestTalk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin, welcome your calls. The Anytime Listener Line is open, 888-99-CHART.
1: Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Mark in Phoenix. I was calling in regards to IBM, I wanted to get your thoughts on it and see if you thought that this was a good stock to buy and if you thought that it had a chance to get back near its 52-week high of 158 range. Look forward to your response. Thanks. Bye. All right. IBM had earnings after hours, and it's up a little bit. It closed around 126 and change, and right now after hours it's trading on a 132, so a you 3 know, 4% pop. It looks like it beat revenue overall, but earnings were down 31%. And previous quarter earnings were down 18%. Before that, down three. Before that, down 22%. So earnings was to fall 11% this year, or sorry, 14% this year to $11.02. And that is a consistent decline from its all-time high. In 2013, it made $16.64. So, earnings have been cut by a third, and consistently, pretty much every single year, almost, earnings have declined a couple up years, 2017, 18, but very minor, down in 19, down again here in 2022, or sorry, 2020. So, you know, yields 5.2%, but, Once again, like I said on Friday and consistently, dividend investing is about the trend of the business and their business continues to deteriorate. You know, this is an old business and there's a lot of legacy, leadership, thought processes, businesses within the business. And they've been trying to diversify, making acquisitions in order to move to the cloud, but it's not happening fast enough to stem the deterioration in their revenue base and their earnings base. And so, yeah, it has a little pop after hours, but you know, 2011 this did 107 almost billion dollars in revenue and now we're down to 76 billion in revenue trailing 12 months, and that's before the earnings today. So I just don't like the business and the trends. I think they need an overhaul, uh, and I just think there's so many better businesses in this space that are growing better, that yes, they may not be quite as quote-unquote cheap at enterprise value to EBITDA of 10, but even if you're paying a modest premium to that, at least you're going to find a business that's going to be growing and on the right side of innovation. So I would pass on IBM. There's apparently a race to the suburbs underway, and people have been exiting U.S. cities at a fast clip. Investors who focus on secondary and tertiary real estate markets have been focused on demographic trends amidst the pandemic. Interesting statistics from the National Association of Realtors. Listing views in suburban zip codes ju- jumped 13% between April and May of 2020. Out of almost 20,000 zip codes, suburban one saw a median improvement of 404 spots in rankings, and rural zip codes enjoyed a jump of 846 spots. So a lot of interest uh, away from city centers, which makes a lot of sense. So smaller, uh, here in LA, there's a lot of interest in Riverside County. You get a lot bigger properties, a lot bigger, a lot more land for less price. So, a lot of people are moving out of LA into there. It's a pretty interesting trend, and I think it's only going to continue. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we're heading to our last break. So, if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888.99 Chart. This is
2: Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888 99 Chart.
1: Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Chris calling from Boca Raton, Florida. I just had a quick overall market question as we saw the Nike miss in earnings and we obviously have earnings season upon us. I saw that the lowest analyst had Nike losing 38 cents per share, but it was closer to 50 cents a share. I was wondering if after this earnings miss here with all the analysts not knowing kind of what's going on after this one, is that going to adjust analyst predictions coming forward? And will misses not be as big as we saw with Nike? Thanks. Hmm. Interesting question. What he's referring to is that Nike had earnings, I want to say two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe, and their earnings were a lot worse than expected. Revenue down 38%, like lost 51 cents a share. Like you said, I think the worst analyst had losing 38 cents a share. And so what he's saying as well, is that going to kind of give analysts a heads up that things are going to be worse than you're expecting and adjust expectations accordingly? I think that's certainly a possibility. But for the most part, analysts are... More optimistic, the farther out you go, farther out they're projecting, and they tend to get more realistic the closer you are to earning season. So uh, I, I think they were already to a more realistic place, right? They're constantly looking and talking to management and canvassing the industry for information to what companies are doing better or worse, and what trends there are in the industry. Now, Nike is a bellwether consumer stock, right? They're 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 not a B to B, they're B to C. And so the fact that their revenues were down and their earnings were and their margins, really their margins were squeezed to a much more dramatic degree was kind of alarming especially because I believe their online sales are up close to 100% year over year. Typically, when your online sales, direct sales, are so doing so well, your margins tend to expand. So the fact that they were forced to achieve that through discounting on their website and have margin compression even through their website, that's tough, and it shows their exposure to the retail space. Right, your footlockers of the world, your Dick Sporting Goods of the world, etc. And I think it is a harbinger of the impact this economy is having on the consumer. Right? PPP loans, the stimulus out of Washington, that's helping companies. They're able to get liquidity, but individuals are not. Individuals are getting $1,200 checks and maybe they're getting a few hundred bucks more a week on unemployment. But that also means they don't have a job. And if they do, they might be worried about that job. Or if they now have a job and they got back to work and they're worried that maybe there's another shutdown and they'll be put on a furlough again. So to me, this is a very important earnings announcement that you're the first one that I've heard really bring it up. And so that's why this earning season is very important to understand the, the the trends that are happening within the consumer industry. And Nike's as broad base as they come. Now, lastly, I want to get to the dollar index. There's a very important trend line here that, is, that the dollar may be breaching. And the last time it close below this trend line, it lost 40% from peak to trough back in 2000 all the way to 2009. The dollar found 40%. And I could see that again, especially somebody called it the called it a project Zimbabwe at the Fed. (laughs) Thought that was a little hyperbolic, but it was pretty funny because they are on a road to massively devaluing the dollar and that's why I think commodities are a great place to be. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return on Thursday. In the meantime, please remember to download our new June Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. It is free, and you can get it right now over at investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Please tell your friends about our podcast. Good night.